Welcome to the King's Healing Room Podcast, where we are a kingdom ministry within global presence. We are located at 4326 Pharaoh in Syracuse, New York, 13219, where the executive pastor is Elder Yulon Jones and the senior pastor and founder is Bishop Brian K. Hill Sr. All are welcome.
Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. I was wondering where my musician went. He didn't laugh. He on his way back, though. We're going to put him to work. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. I thank you all for who all is here in the sanctuary on today. I count it a privilege and a joy. Uh, my heart is exuberant with praise, and I am thankful to God. I bless him. I bless my husband and all those who have come before, uh, and I praise God for it. I'm just going to bow and ask you all to bow in prayer with me on today. Amen, amen, amen. And uh, the musicians, don't leave me. <laughs> don't leave me. The Lord does have need of you on today. Glory to God. Uh, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we bow before you right now, thanking you, lifting our hands up, told us, saying thank you with grace, praise, and mercy, oh God. You alone are God, and we thank you, and we count it a privilege to praise and worship your name on today. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you allow me to stand in the back of you, remove any and all impurities, anything of Carlene that may have crept up, Lord, remove it so that all of what you have to say on today is able to be emitted into the atmosphere, into your people, into the hearts and minds of your people so that they can grow and grow in expectancy of what you have designed for their lives. Father God, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. In the absence of our pastor, our bishop, our prophet, Pastor Brian K. Hill Sr., in our executive pastor, uh, I thank you and we give them respect in their appropriate places. Now, as we get into your word on today, oh God, I ask that you endow these lips of clay that they may be able to speak boldly in the name of Jesus. I ask that you cultivate this heart and allow it to be formidable so that it can receive and it can have what you have on today to flow through it with the love and the joy that you have during our study of giving unto me. I ask that you use all of the testimonies, anything that you desire, oh God, through this maidservant on today, that you shall get the glory. And Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for just allowing the platform so that I can worship, praise, and glorify your name on today. All these things I ask in your son Jesus' name, Amen, 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 and thank God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Uh, the Lord, the word on today that the Lord has for us is, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Amen. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So for decades, Decades, we have steered our children through the educational system, and one could argue that the success and the key to success for education is, excuse me, for our finances through education. Amen? So, I was taught that as I was growing up, that if you want to be successful, if you want to be wealthy, if you want to be anything, then you need to get your education. Amen. Well, being educated as we were growing up meant something. It meant stature, it meant position, it most of all meant that you were going to be respected. People fought 
and they died so that we could have the opportunity to be educated and to receive a formal education. But let me digress before this topic of education leads me on a tangent. There in education is a sense of ownership, is a sense of people who thought that when this position was provided to me, I have a commitment, a thought of ownership to reach back and to bring somebody else up. So when we were provided those areas of uh, opportunity, it was not just for us. It was for those who were with us and those who were standing and coming up in the back of us as well. So, yes, education is one of the keys to success. However, on the other hand, as research has shown, there's several thousand colleges and universities that are filled with those who have an enormous amount of debt, who have went to these institutions and platforms to be educated, but for whatever reason, they were not successful in receiving that degree. For whatever reason, they are holding on the weight of their shoulders, the debt that is encroached through the educational season. Yeah. Now, I'm not here to tell you one way or another or to steer you in the direction of going to college or otherwise. I am here to suggest that though some of us or some people may want to go to college, there are just a number of others who are just as intelligent, just as thoughtful, just as worthy, and they may want to go and do hands-on and technical training. Amen? So, uh, I want to share with you on today that scholars suggested that over the last several decades, and I need to slow down because I want to get ahead of myself, and make sure that you all hear this pyramid that is being built by the Lord. Scholars suggest that over the last several decades, society has pushed us towards college, which has resulted in a shortage of the trades, or in a shortage of the technical, or in the shortage of laborers. Amen? Skilled laborers that hold respectable positions and required to learn their craft through apprenticeship and through trades. Now, I know all of you who know me know that I got that human resource thing on my head and is always thinking of what is inside of a person. What is that joy? What is that love? What do you like to do? Because when you do what you like to do, when you do what you enjoy to do, when you do what's in your heart, then you will do it with gladness and you will do it with leaping and shouting and joy. Amen? So the purpose of this is to share with you that skilled workers can earn a minimum of minimum wage and or well beyond six figures. They are the ones who help us build projects. They are the ones who help us um, ensure that we have the painting or the electrician or even the plumbing. Or let's not even talk about the skilled workers who help make sure that our sanitation is on point and online. Amen? It is very important for us to have laborers and skilled laborers in the kingdom. Now, just this week alone, the King's Healing Room has tapped in and benefited from skilled laborers. We were able to get an electrician 
to come in and help us so that we're able to emit the services online. We tapped into IBEW Local 1163, y'all. And that man came and he served and he allowed us to have electricity with precision, efficiency, and grace. As I stated before, it is not a matter of whether you want to be a scholar and go to college or whether you need to be a technical and work with your hands. That's not the point of this. The point of this is that I see a paradigm shift in the world. And that paradigm shift is saying we have so many more on one end. We have so many more scholars. We have so many more those who are laying the strategic realm. And there is a deficit in the laborers realm. Glory to God. And so we can draw a parallel to this concept for ministry as well that the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. So let I lead you, let's turn to Matthew chapter nine, verse 35 to 38 will be the main chapters in which we go through, but I invite you, encourage you, admonish you to get those pens rolling because we'll be going through several different chapters several different Bible verses that if you take them down, that when you go back and read them in the backdrop, you'll be able to study and give you what the Lord has for you even more. So let us begin. All right, so Matthew 9, verse 35 to 38. Before we get into that, I want to share with you that the backdrop, the backdrop meaning the several verses that precede that, is where Jesus performs several miracles. And he just finished performing these miracles, and the miracles are something like this. One, he raised the ruler's daughter from the dead by taking her hand. Two, he allowed two people who were blind, he touched their eyes to give them sight. Three, he went and he told them that God is greater and no man can pluck them out of his hands. And then four, Jesus spoke to demons and a mute, and he said that this demon-possessed man, he cast out the demons. So in each of these instances, we get a glimpse of the work that was required in order to meet the need, which we feel in yield positive investments. Now, down in the 35th verse, it will tell you that there will always be haters among us. Amen? There is always those that will be among us that will cast doubt based on the letter of the law, based on a lack of understanding. Haters, as I call them, have a form of godliness, but lack or deny the power that exists within. That's in Timothy chapter 5, 3 and 5. And then it says, context. So as we go from the journey of learning about the backdrop, now we're going into what our main points are. So through the scripture that says in verse 35, and Jesus went all about the cities, the villages, 
teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing the sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then he saith unto his disciples, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. Verse 38, pray ye therefore that the Lord of harvest, that he will send forth laborers in his harvest. So on today, and I want to break down each of those passages because there's a bulk of information in each one of them. Point number one, Jesus expanded his ministry. He went to those in need. So unlike today, where we might have thousands of people come to our services, we've gotten away from that upfront and close portion of ministry where we go out and we go and seek to save that who was lost. Amen? Jesus expanded his ministry and he didn't have people come to him. He didn't just say, listen, I'm going to stay here and you have to come to me in order to get the word. He went out and he went to the villages and the cities and the land and he proclaimed the gospel. Now, a city a city is just, we can imagine, is just like the city of Syracuse. It's a highly populated area that has distinct boundaries and it has its own governmental system. So that is a city. So Jesus, if we can have it in this day, Jesus went all throughout Syracuse. And when we live in Syracuse or the surrounding areas, we know that Syracuse is pretty large when you're walking on foot, right? So if he went here and came up to where we are, went to Camillus, those are considered villages. So he went through the cities, he went through the villages, and he went through the towns. He'd been proclaiming the word of God. So the laborers are few. That means that there are few people who are going into the cities, going out of their comfort zones, going into places and proclaiming the word of God that we've gotten comfortable in wanting people to come to us when he is reminding us, the King's Healing Room, and all of those who are attached to us, that we cannot be comfortable, that we cannot be so comfortable that we forget to be sensitive and go where the Lord has told us to go and speak what the Lord has told us to speak. Amen? Speak to those who don't look like us. Speak to those who may look like us, who may be struggling. Go into those places where a woman or a young girl or a child may need a word. Amen? I'm reminded when I was walking and going through the school district, it was the first time ever that crushed my soul when I walked into a local city school and there was an eighth grader who was being arrested at that time based on some behavioral issues. And as I walked by, my heart grieved in the spirit to say, how can we, as a community, as a life, how can we stand by when those who are so young are being taught and are being arrested at a place of school where they're supposed to be educated, amen? Glory to God, glory to God. So I walked by, and I'm not sure what that young man did. I'm not sure how many times that young man 
did it, but my heart was filled with grief and compassion to say, if the Lord, if the Lord in some way was in that man's world, or if somebody were able to go to that young man and pray and tell him about the goodness, would we be experiencing this right now? Jesus expanded his ministry. He went to those in need. Glory to God. He went about the villages. He went about the cities. So I invite us to come out our comfort zones and to go. Go, go, go. He did not just assume that he's going to stay regardless of the transportation. So when I got to thinking, I said, wow, we drive around right now in our cars, on our skadoodles or ski mobiles and such. Can you imagine if the Lord said, go and sent you out and you had to go on foot number one and foot number two and traverse through all of the land? I surely couldn't fathom that today. However, I'm so glad that he has given us provision that we're able to travel in a different way. But to whom much is given, much is required. So while we have that opportunity to travel, then we got to expand our borders even further. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Point number two. Jesus had compassion. He felt the burden of those who were in need. So you can know of a person or a group of persons in need, but to have and to feel their burden, to feel that angst, that pain, to put yourself in their shoes is something that everybody does not have. I know that the scripture says that the poor shall always be among us, and I've even quoted that scripture as well. However, if you do not have the compassion, if you have not said, what if this was my family? What if this was my brother, my sister, and my immediate family? Then it can so easily pass you by. When I was reminded again about that young man, I was glad in my spirit that it was crushed because it made a difference for me to make a change. As I walked by, yes, I did pray. And then I went into the office and I spoke words at that point. Now, they could not tell me what that young man did, but I did even further. I stood there to make sure that whatever was happening, he was not going to be treated in a fashion that was un unworthy of him being a young person. So there are subtle things that we can do to have compassion while still being in line with what the Lord and with our safety is. Amen? So it said that Jesus felt the burden. In verse 36, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Compassion, meaning community, coming around and feeling that pain or that burden. That's what passion means. It's a burdened desire. So he felt that this person, this is not right. And then he said, he said, they were weary. He told us why he had compassion. They were weary and wandering around with no direction as if they were sheep without a shepherd. Now, we in this world on today, we know or know of several persons who exist in this area that run here and run there seeking a word. Do you have a word for me? Do you have a word for me? Do you know what my 
there's another person that is wandering, seeking, what do I have to do? Why am I here? Why was I created? And whereas I'm not, not shining a light to give fall, I'm saying that God has commissioned, he has said that I have hear you and I've seen you and I know that there is a challenge in your world. And that's why he has bring us to point number three. Jesus spoke to his disciples. He spoke to his disciples, commissioning them to a call to action. Amen? He commissioned them for a call to action. He said in verse 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Disciples mean, in Latin, it means one who learns or one who follows the teaching of Jesus. Uh, and so it, if we read that passage again, he said to his persons who follow him, who learn from him, who understand the teachings of him, he said the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Now, if you were somebody who followed Jesus and in context knows that he just finished doing all of these healing, all of the healing of people who we, I, in my regular sense, wouldn't touch. A person who is dead, do you have the power to heal somebody who is dead? The young girl who he healed was laying there on her bed. And somebody came, the father said, all you have to do, Jesus, is speak a word and she might live. But well, we know that from that passage, she ended up living, but Jesus had to call out all of the other naysayers out of the room. He had to put them out, and he went in and he touched her by the hand. Amen? So he put into action, and he did a hard thing, or he made a hard thing look very, very easy. He went in and he touched her hand. He grabbed her by the hand. The scripture says, no man shall pluck me out of the hands of God. When he went in there and he went into that room and he grabbed her by the hand and he said, get up. Creative license tells me that. Amen. Amen. And so if, he, if she got up, then we don't hear nothing else about this young girl. So that says that no man can pluck me out of the hand of God. And that is found in, let me tell y'all, y'all don't believe me. I don't believe me, and I know I have it. No man can pluck me out of the hands of God. Got too many notes right here. But if y'all hold on for a second, I will get it. So we'll come back on it. We'll come back to it. It's in here. No man can pluck me out of the hand of God. It's found. This is maturity that I'm not going to have to rush. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Amen. I'm not even here for the jumping and the shouting. I want to get a word to you so that we can live beyond our current circumstance. Amen, amen, amen. Unless I spend too much time on it, I'm just going to ask. Amen, Father. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. We're coming back to it, you all, in, in Bible reading land. No man can pluck me out of the hands of God. 
That's found in John 10, verses 28. And if you read all the way through the verse 30, you'll understand why he said, no man shall pluck me out of the hand of God. He said, I will give you eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. That was Jesus talking to his disciples. And then in verse 29, he said, my father, which gave them to me. So when we're going out and we're helping people, we have to know that those persons are our fathers. Amen. But getting back to that young lady, when he took her by the hand and she got up, that made my heart marvel because it said that there's sometimes that people look dead or they look like they are not achieving what God has for them or they look like they are separated from the pack. But oh, when they come in touch with a man named Jesus, when he takes them by the hand, that means there's a connection. That means he connected with a particular issue. He connected right there. He took her by the hand. When I think of a hand, I think of being representative of um, someone being able to do that thing that they are purposed to do. And when you have your hands or when you have what you're doing, it often involves your right hand. Amen? The scripture says that he will hold, uphold us with his righteous right hand. So I can imagine that for this young lady, he upheld her. He took her by her right hand, which signifies strength. And he said, get up. And she got up. And then she lived. And the rest of her life is not written on there in the scripture. However, creative license says that she did just like the next group of individuals who were in the uh, scripture. Jesus touched the eyes of two blind men, and their sight was restored. Matthew 6 and 22 says the light of the body is in the eye. And if you have been a single focus, then the whole body is full of light. So let's deal with the blindness on today of the harvest. Amen? So one, we dealt with the deadness of the harvest, meaning there's going to be people we encounter that if we touch them, they will get live. Amen? And then there's going to be some people in the harvest that operate in blindness. Amen? And in their blindness, they can't see what the Lord has for them. In blindness, they can't see how this world, that there's still hope in the midst of this challenge, in the midst of COVID-19, in the midst of cancer, in the midst of HIV-AIDS. They have an inability to see because we're waiting down with the burdens of the reality. Amen? He touched the eyes. Now you have to get close enough to somebody to touch their eyes. You have to get close enough to that person with the issue. You have to get close enough where they trust you enough where you're able to see beyond that smiley face that says, everything is okay. Amen? He touched their eyes. He touched where their infirmity was. He reached out into it and he said, be healed. And they received their sight. Amen. I don't know what you all are struggling with out here. I know that there's millions of things that I have that need to be fixed and taken together. I bring that eyesight or that perspective back to the Lord. He touched 
their eyes. And then the beautiful thing was, to me, is that there were two. So that means that whatever we're going through, we are not alone. Amen. There is somebody else that has that same or similar issue. Amen. He had two blind men. And then further when I was reading in there, I said, wait, how are two blind men going to come together and they blind? Amen. Jesus. Two people with like experiences are going to connect one way or another. And amen. So that thing will be conscientious of who you connected to because you are going to be known by who you are connected to. And these two blind men had their sight restored and became singleness of eye. That means I know I was blind. You know you was blind. Deacon earlier on today, he talked to us who had challenges with paying or giving to the church. And he said he had challenges because he wanted to go and feed a habit. Well, I chuckled because I didn't necessarily have that habit. I had others. But I know that he connected with others that may have experienced that one um, way of not putting tithes and offerings into the system because they wanted to fulfill their need. But then what I love about his testimony as he shared that he found greater need once he took action to trust and stand on faith and to give those resources inside the church. Then not only did his perspective change, his behavior changed because his actions were different. Amen? Let me say it another way. Amen, 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 amen. Glory to God. Two blind men. When we think about two, double, 2022 is a double portion year. We are going to be able to receive double portion. The scripture says if he can put one in flight, then he can put 10,000 in flight. Amen? So when I look at these two blind men, I think that they are just a cosmic cosm of what God intended. Two by two equals one. 10 by 10 equals 10,000. And he is going to give sight to over a double amount of people who have lost their sight. Amen? Glory to God. He took the blind man and he restored their sight. Now, I see several of you in here that are like me, right? You have glasses on or you have some sight challenges. Amen? You're overcoming sight challenges. Amen? But I have declared to the Lord, I have asked, I've declared, I said, listen, now it might have been a little bit vain for me because I said, I have a lot of glasses and I really don't want to have to keep on replacing them. So I said, from now on, I just want my sight to stay as it is or get better. Amen. Amen. Now, I think I'm cool, but I really am serious about that. And he said, you Bifocals. I said, okay. And so I take them off and I put the paper closer. And that's my bifocals. So at this particular moment, my eyes have stayed the same for years. Over 16 years. And I'm standing on that word that he has and he will continue to restore my sight. Amen? Amen. Now that's in the physical realm. Let's talk about in the spiritual realm of restoring your sight. 
Now I used to look at things in one way. I used to look at it from a very natural perspective. I used to look at, wait, this is black or white. It does not equal up to what I think it is, especially when it comes to money. <laughs> I'm waiting I'm looking at my bills, God, and these bills are not adding up way back when. But he said, if you trust me, if you give your 10, if you give your 30%, if you give unto others ridiculously, yeah. then I will make the foolish things and take them and confound the wise. I said, all right, here we go, oh God. Hey, hey. Yeah. hey! And let me tell you, he has made my eyesight restored. He has taken the foolish things. He has confounded the wise when I put it all in his hands. Amen? So the connection between the dead young lady and the guy with the blind eyes is grateful he went from one to two. Now, he told those young men, he said, don't tell anybody that I did this. Now, if you are like me, and you have something that has been restored that you haven't been able to see in a long time, if you've seen something with a different perspective, you want to tell everybody, look what the Lord has done for me. And they did the same thing, went out leaping, and shouting, look, he's restored our sight. Then Jesus ran. He's talking about the miracles he did before talking to his disciples. He spoke and he cast out the demon from a mute and demon-possessed man. So we got a dead girl. Dead, you can't see, you can't breathe, you can't talk. We got two blind eyes, two men who can't see from perspective. He gave it back. And then we got somebody who is mute and cutting up. Mute. Now, I don't know about you, but if he's sending me out to somebody who's dead, people who can't see, and then somebody who can't speak and is cutting all up, I'm going to have a little bit of question of whether or not I'm fully equipped to go. I'm going to. But, God. In Matthew 9 and 35, he told his disciples, excuse me, in Matthew 9 and 37, he told his disciples, those who believed on him, those who looked at his word, those who understood his word, the harvest is plenty, but the labor are few. He told them by expanding his ministry. He told them by having compassion on others. He told them by commissioning them to a cause of action. How do we know that? Because he told them to do something. He said, pray that the Lord of the harvest brings and sends laborers into his harvest. So by praying, that says for me and for you, there's something for us to do. If we don't have that resource, if we don't have um, the thing that that person needs, then we can pray and we can usher them into the place where they can get the need met. Amen. There is another thing that I want to draw out in this passion, in this passage, and that is harvest. Harvest. Harvest means to reap. To reap means to gather and to bring in. So when you harvest, you are reaping, you are gathering, and you are storing. You are reaping, you are gathering, you are storing. And when you're reaping, gathering, and storing, it's for a specific crop. 
So while we're going here to there and everywhere, we may actually be doing a good thing, but may be out of God's will and God's purpose. When you're cropping or harvesting a land, it's a specific area. It's a specific parcel of land that is held for you and for me. When we are harvesting, the process of gathering ripe crop, that means that person, we see ripeness by the fact that that person may be really challenged, or that person may be doubting their belief, or that person may be sick or filled with pain. That's a ripe crop, y'all. That's a place where we can go and we can affect and impact God's harvest. Amen? When we get those calls on the phone, what was me calls as they are started? Well, while that person is giving that what was me, it's our time to pray. We don't have to do nothing. We don't have to say anything to that person. We might just be used to pray. Amen? To pray and pray silently, uttering moanings and groanings so that the Lord can take care of it. Amen? Somebody has to get it out. If they don't have a way, thank you, Lord. If they don't have a way to get it out, I hear the Lord saying, I want to be acknowledged. I want to be acknowledged. I want this issue acknowledged in the name of Jesus. I don't need you to fix it. I need you to acknowledge it so that I know I'm not crazy. So that I know that how I feel that it's not unworthy. I need you to acknowledge this. Amen? And that was the compassion that our Lord had for his people. He's saying, I have several people who are hurt church or church hurt. Amen? Meaning, the persons in church who they have come to and called on to help a need has either turned a deaf ear, turned a blind eye, or deadened them in that space. He said, I need you to acknowledge them. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Then in harvesting, the completion of a harvest, it marks the end of the growing season. So if I liken this to, uh, Mother, we went apple picking at the end of August to September, October. And when I went to apple picking with my sister friend, uh, Jen, my partner in, in, in the Lord. We went apple picking. In the orchard that we went to, there were all kinds of trees. There was the Macintosh tree, the Empire tree, all different red delicious, all different kinds of choosing for where we can select our apples. And so as I was with my, my grandson, Carl, we're pulling down these apples, I'm noticing that there were several that were really, really high that I could not reach. See, those represent the high and mighty. Amen? Those who are so are of thou. I know it's all, and you are not going to be able to reach me. Well, those were those ones where you could not reach. And I'm here to declare that there's some people out there you're just not going to be able to reach. You're just not going to be able to tell them about the goodness of the Lord and have them receive it deep down in their heart. Amen? on that tree. There was a level that my height caused me to be able to reach, but I had to go on my tiptoes. I had to reach a little, little further to go and get them. I had to use and exert some energy. Amen? Well, those represent those people who are on the sidelines that they are watching every single thing that we are doing. They are watching to make sure that what we are doing are lining up with the words
Then there's those who are the easy pickings, amen? And I found that as I looked upon that orchard, as I looked upon everything, that the easy picking, the ones that was right there, close by, could just reach up and grab, there wasn't many of them. Because everybody else had already come. Everybody else had already come and had their pickings, amen? And I said, oh gosh, I got to stretch a little further. I got to expand my ministry a little further. I got to reach up a little further. And little further meaning I might have to get a ladder to get up to those ones who are prideful.
or erotic behavior, and all of them were healed. Well, I am reminded of the Lord when he said that the first commandment is to love thy Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your substance. It says in the scripture that this is the first and the greatest commandment. But then it said that the second is like it, to love thy neighbor as thyself. Amen. So I can't exercise the love of God if I don't love my neighbor. Amen. Regardless of what you have done for me, regardless of what you have done to me, the scripture says, love thy neighbor as thyself. Amen. If anybody wants to know what neighbor is defined as, I search that scripture and I'm here to tell you that God defines everything through his word. His word is the infallible word of God inspired by men. Amen. He defined it in the word and that was like, oh my goodness. Amen. He defined it by utilizing the story of the good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. If you go ahead in your time frame and read from 25 to 37, you'll learn about what God defines as a neighbor, and he says it so plainly. However, he said, Carly, make it plain in this day and age, and he said this. I don't know if you all have seen it, but last week on the news, it said, in, in the news on I-95, there was an amazing amount of stories of Good Samaritan. So on I-95, although it was backed up because of the weather, it was an opportunity. Amen? Remember, Jesus had compassion. There were people on I-95 that had compassion. And I want to share a couple with you. So one that really struck me close was the one with the Uber driver. And that Uber driver had accepted a, an assignment to go into the field and to go to Union Station and to pick up a young person at 2 a.m. in the morning. So if any of you all know about Uber, being Uber focused, you get a ding on your phone to say there's someone that is requiring someone to pick you up. So he had to answer the call. He answered and he went to that assignment. A young girl, 2 a.m. at Union Station. Union Station is in Washington, D.C. And that has a lot of creepy people at the Union Station. So if you can imagine, the third portion of this is that that young girl was a teenager. So at 2 a.m., being a teenager in a place that has a lot of creepy people, I can imagine that she was afraid. Or she may have been very concerned. But the Lord sent the laborer to answer that call. Amen? And I'm so glad that Williams went to get that young lady at 2 a.m. But even though he answered the call, even though he moved in the action, this storm was just too great. And after a long time, he had to stop and he had to turn back around. Now, there's some times when we might have to turn back around where it might seem like we're taking steps back. But oh, I'm so grateful for that story. That even though he had to turn back around to go to D.C., he didn't drop her off at the same place that he picked her up. He got out of line with her parents, and he said, if it be okay, 
I request to get this young girl a hotel room. He talked to those who were over her and got the approval. And then this young man paid for the room out of his own money. We're talking about the good Samaritan, the going out into the harvest, the making sure that you are operating as a laborer. He went out in there and he provided this young girl with a room and told her, in the morning when the storm stops, call me. I will get you to Williamsburg, Virginia, which is a long way away from D.C. She called in the morning about 8.30, and he did get her to her destination. The good news about this, he would end up finding a new job because of it, because somebody heard about the actions in which he did. I 
believe him because he said he is no respected person. But the glory of God and peace be unto every man who worketh good for the glory of God. Amen. I believe that scripture. I invite you all to believe on him as well. It gives me access. He wants to give you all access to the dunamis power that lives and breathes in Jesus. Amen. So I just, just, I know I've given you a lot on today. And like any good teacher, you got some homework to do. You got some studying to do. You got some application to do. And if you put the work in it, it'll work if you work it. Amen.
King's Healing Room, where you will see our senior pastor, Bishop Brian K. Hill's senior photo. You also can use our text to give. Here how it works. There are five steps. Step one, text GIVE to 1-844-981-2759, which is a unique to the King's Healing Room. Step two, you will receive a text with instructions. Step three, follow the instructions to set up a given account. Step four, text the amount you want to give and the designation. It could be a tithe, offering, or general fund. In step five, you will receive a receipt via email confirming your gift. And here's the last way you can give. You can use PayPal and send your donation to tkhroffice at gmail.com. That is T-K-H-R-O-F-F-I-C-E at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to listen to more messages like the one you have heard. We are the King's Healing Room and we are a kingdom ministry with a global presence.